And hello again, everyone. This is Travis Bukowski for episode four of All of My Heroes Wore Spandex. And ladies and gentlemen, on this episode, I want to talk about something that's very, very different in today's professional wrestling product than what it was about 30 years ago. Something called squash matches no longer exist in professional wrestling. You know, back in the 80s, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, watching pro wrestling in what I considered to be probably the best era ever in the history of the business, squash matches were a regular thing. They happened all the time. Nine out of ten matches on television were squash matches. Uh, it didn't matter if it was Monday night, if it was WWF Primetime Wrestling, my favorite show on USA Network, the forerunner to Monday Night Raw with Bobby Heen and Gorilla Monsoon. Nine to eleven o'clock at night, every Monday, primetime wrestling, the majority of it, were squash matches. Once the weekend got here, we had WWF Superstars, WWF Spotlight, and the majority of that also squash matches. Wrestling was all over the place on television in the 80s, but like I said, most of the shows involved what was called a squash match. And if you don't know what that is, you probably already do. It's basically when you have a guy who everyone's pretty much heard of, or someone that is, uh, you know, pretty well established, goes against somebody that you probably haven't heard of before. Um, it's basically a way of putting over one wrestler over the other. So nine times out of ten, no matter what the show was, you were going to see a squash match uh, in the 80s. If you put wrestling on the 80s, it was a squash match almost every single time. And that's something that you just don't see today. Um, but I was thinking about the fact that, you know, back in the 80s, there were a lot of great, great guys that some people would call jobbers, but I want to call enhancement talent, and that's guys who would put other people over. The whole point of enhancement talent is to put over someone who's up and coming, someone who is a big, big star, or who, you know, the company thinks is going to be a big, big star. Like, for instance, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow comes into the WWF, well, he's going to wrestle someone like a Dusty Wolf or Barry Horowitz or Iron Mike Sharp time and time again every week and, and defeat them pretty easily within just a few minutes, show off his favorite moves and look really strong, you know, look like he's heading toward a title shot or a rivalry or a big show or whatever might be coming up. And that was the whole point, to get this momentum going for another wrestler. These enhancement talent guys, as I like to call them, were some of my favorite guys to watch growing up. Uh, my ultimate, all-time favorite, Barry Horowitz, who I thought deserved so much more credit than what he got in the WWF. He did win matches in the WWF, and he went on to win uh, quite a few later on in global wrestling. He actually became the light heavyweight champion in GWF down in Texas in the early 90s. But Barry Horowitz, great, great wrestler, great technical wrestler, uh, I like the way he looked. I like the way he wrestled. Uh, Iron Mike Sharp was probably my second favorite enhancement guy. This big, burly, strong, 275-pound guy from Canada. He had the uh, the gimmick with the uh, the forearm brace where he could stick an object in there and try to get away with it. He was called Canada's Greatest Athlete and basically yelled through every single match that he was in. Uh, Barry O. I love seeing Barry O. He was a good basic wrestler, but he had flashy trunks. He looked a little bit different. Uh, he had the long hair. Good basic wrestler. 
had no idea that he was Bob Orton's brother at the time, but that's okay. Uh, I just love seeing the enhancement talent guys. Um, the Moondogs, uh, they were tag team champions at one time, but when I got to see them, they were kind of on their way out. Their career was close to being over, uh, so I like seeing them. The Shadows, the Conquistadors, I love seeing the enhancement talent guys because I knew even as a kid back in the early, mid, and late 80s that these guys were really the heart and soul of the WWF. They were putting over all the big stars. They were getting all the TV time, but they were really, uh, you know, the bread and butter of the company. Without them, the company didn't go on the way that it did and become as successful as it did. And, you know, I was thinking about it. One of the best places that I ever saw all these great enhancement talent guys uh, wrestle actually each other was uh, on something called Prism Wrestling. Now, if you're not from the Northeast and you're from the 80s, you probably don't know, so let me tell you about this. Prism uh, was actually a pay cable channel, similar to HBO, Showtime, Cinemax, the movie channel, and it only lasted, I guess, probably throughout the 80s, the whole decade of the 80s and the early 90s. But if you lived in the Philadelphia area, maybe even into New Jersey. I don't think New York got it because they had Madison Square Garden Network. But if you were in the Philadelphia area, anywhere on the eastern Pennsylvania and close to Jersey in the 80s, you were uh, able to buy Prism monthly on your uh, cable. Now, basically, Prism was a lot like HBO and the rest of them. You would get movies on it. Uh, you would have, uh, you know, movies that were just in the theater recently. But they also had exclusive sports on PRISM. And they made a deal with all the Philadelphia teams except the Eagles for some reason. And you could see the 76ers play. You could see uh, the Flyers, the Phillies. And then about, I guess quarterly, about four times a year, the WWF came to the Spectrum in Philly. And they would shoot you know, the entire broadcast from beginning to end. Uh, you know, from the very first match to the last, and it would last a good two, two and a half hours, and they would film the whole thing exclusively for Prism. Um, and the funny thing is, is they would actually play it one day later. So if the show was in the spectrum on Saturday night, we would see the entire thing on Prism Sunday night, 24 hours later. It was actually a pretty big deal back then. It was the only way to see this stuff, and... The wrestlers really treated this show like it were, uh, you know, it was, a, it was dark matches. But the awesome thing about it that I loved is I could see uh, guys like S.D. Jones and Brady Boone and Barry Horowitz and Frenchie Martin and Jose Estrada, Jose Luis Rivera, um, Outback Jack, all these guys wrestle each other in good long 15, 20-minute matches. And yeah, they would wrestle other guys sometimes and there would be a squash match, but what I loved about Prism Wrestling is you had everything. You had good long matches for 15, 20 minutes with all these enhancement talent guys. Then you would have some mid-carters. Then you would have a legitimate main event with people like Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and even Andre the Giant at the end. So it ended with a good climax. It was a great show from beginning to end. So all you 80s wrestling fans out there, if you've never heard of Prism Wrestling, check it out. Go on YouTube. I have a few of the shows on VHS that I uh, taped as a kid, but a whole bunch of people have a whole bunch of other 
matches on YouTube. Go in there one more time. Prism Wrestling on YouTube. If you love 80s wrestling, WWF, check it out. You won't regret it. Anyway, squash matches. Uh, there's something that I do miss in today's product and is something that I think today's product um, could use. I mean, when you would watch wrestling in the 80s, they were able to build a climax, I think, so much better because week after week you would see somebody uh, defeat someone soundly, easily, and you would see all their moves. You would get used to what moves they had, and they would beat that person, and they would look really good. And, you know, that other person, the enhancement talent guy, made the other one look good. So then after you would see, like, say, uh, King Kong Bundy squash five, six guys, and you saw Bam Bam Bigelow defeat five, six guys, and you got used to all the moves that each of them do, and they and you knew that it was all leading up to a big match between the both of them down the road at a big event, like a SummerSlam or whatever, it made you anticipate that match even more. You knew what both of them were capable of. You knew they could beat a bunch of people. You know, they looked legit by going through all these squash matches. And uh, it just, you know, it really made the climax of that match that finally happened, happen. And happen even, you know, with more excitement. So I, I do miss the squash matches. I do think that there were way too many of them in the 80s, and it got to be definite overkill. Um, but I guess the main question here is, would they work? Would they work today? I mean, nowadays people are used to seeing, you know, big, big names in every single match. There are maybe fewer matches today uh, from back then, but is the quality there? Is the excitement there? Is the build-up there, more importantly? I don't know. I, I feel like that we're missing some of that. I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword. But I guess my question is, what do you think? Should squash matches make a return to professional wrestling television today in 2019? Let me know what you think. Email me anytime at allofmyheroeswarspandex at yahoo.com. I want to know what you guys think. Squash matches, yes or no? Let me know. And if so, why? And if not, why not? We'll talk about this more on another episode of All of My Heroes War Spandex at a later date. But for now, thanks for listening, everyone. Have fun. 